This is Beyond the Illusion. Thanks for joining us and welcome to season four. I just want to say thank you to everyone that has shared their kind words with us on social media or on our website. I'm really grateful that you found this podcast to be helpful in some way. In today's episode, we have a conversation with Shannon Gill and Russ Olhausen. Shannon and Russ have joined us at least once in each season of this podcast, and we thought it would be appropriate to have them back as our first guests of the new year and the first episode of season four. They will be discussing everything that has happened over the past year and what is on the horizon for 2021 from an astrological perspective. I think we can all agree that 2020 was an incredible year in so many ways. And if you go back and listen to the episodes with Shannon and Russ, they pretty much nail it whenever they talk about what 2020 would be like. So get ready for more of that, because in addition to discussing what happened in 2020, they break down the major events that are coming in 2021. Now, let's go to the conversation with Shannon, Russ, Tiana, and myself. exciting things that are happening in 2021. I just have to say, you know, because of course everybody knows that 2020 was like such an intense year and people are constantly saying, um, well, nobody could have known what was going to happen in 2020. And I'm always thinking, that's not true. All my astrologer friends knew. I mean, not exactly how it was going to play out, but I mean, I can remember like Shannon was the first person that told me about 2020 and like the intense the energies of 2020, I mean, like, I don't know, five years ago when I first, five, six years ago when I first met her, I could, she was the first person to mention that to me. And then kind of when it got closer to 2020, I was really paying attention at the end of 2019 to see what other astrologers were saying. And there were a lot of people saying that 2020 was going to be like a super intense year, like nothing we've ever seen. And so when all these other people are saying that, I'm thinking, you guys need to pay attention to astrology you know, to be prepared for the energy. So anyway, the more, you know, I, I don't know very much still about astrology because it, it is so detailed to learn about, but just kind of listening to astrologers and what they say, it just trips me out over and over again, how um, accurate it is, how, how, you know, if you're listening, you know, it can really inform you so much in your life. So anyway, I'm just so glad to have um, our friends here today to tell us more this year. Yeah. Thank you for having us. It's good to be back. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Is there anything that you guys want to say about 2020 before we move into, oh, you know, this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, um, my name is Shannon Gill. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, and this is Russ- Russell Hausen, and I am a research astrologer. And yes, yeah, so we'll just jump right in. Um, yeah, I, I guess first I feel like kind of celebrating with everyone that we, we made it <laughs> through that <laughs> year that we'll never forget. Truly extraordinary, and it's true, I... I have known, we have known that this massive shift was on the way. And that is the power of astrology. It's this history of cycles. 
and we do have a map. And so it is wise to utilize that map. And it's good that we also have, uh, you know, we, we have a map and we can see these details, but literally in this case, hindsight is 2020. Um, we, we can look back and map, match up those uh, astrological potencies with what actually happened and when it actually happened throughout the year. Now we have, we have uh, and, and that's one reason people see that there is truth to what we're talking about. It is it, part of the awakening process is revealing to ourselves these higher truths. And the better we do our job, the faster it all happens. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's always helpful to start with a wide angle view, sort of like drawing way back, looking at the longer cycles. Where I like to start usually whenever I'm introducing this sort of information of trying to put a perspective on what's going on when people want to try to understand what's up with the virus and what we actually are coming to understand more clear is that actually it's not just about the virus. We take a look at what's known as the astrological ages. The ages are actually epochs of time in history that range about 2,160 years in time, and they characterize the, the paradigm of that period. And so the cultural, the economic, the philosophical, spiritual understandings, beliefs, and the trends. So we are coming out of the Pisces age and entering into the age of Aquarius, which most people are, are aware of, at least at some level have heard maybe the song or something about the age of Aquarius. And the age of Pisces is what we're kind of referring to as the dark age. And the age of Aquarius is the age of light. And so if we can imagine that we are, you know, ending such a long period of time and coming into this birthing into this new paradigm, this new age, you know, we know that birth is nonlinear. It can be very bloody and dark and sometimes, you know, deadly, right? And so it's this, it's this energy that's cusping together between these, these massive periods. So, you know, to understand sort of the summary of what we're talking about, we can just look at the Pisces age as a time where there was a sort of a collective illusion or delusion of a split between spirit and matter. And so man was here and God and source was here. This is a way in which consciousness was able to be manipulated or people, you know, mankind was able to be sort of controlled and a system inserted between, be it government or religion. This is basically part of what we are um, awakening out of was this, this illusion of separation. When we think about Pisces, we think about the, the glyph, the fish are, are swimming in opposite directions, right? It's, it's duality. And there was, you know, a sense of a lot of faith and, but it was a, a faith and a belief that there was something greater outside of the self. The massive shift that's really kind of at the core of this, you know, awakening into this Aquarian age is the realization through direct experience of oneness, of oneness with source. And, you know, the return of what we, we know is called the Purusha, which is the one mind consciousness. This is the um, coming online with the singularity of, of everything. The way that we move in that direction is striving towards the reunification of duality. 
If we're talking about the fish swimming in the opposite direction, we can also think about some of the dual energies that, that are so pervasive on the planet, you know, the perceived separation of masculine and feminine, of light and dark, and that we're moving towards coming together back towards that sense of oneness and that awakening that we are not separate. We, the divine is not outside of us, that we are actually source incarnate. Yeah, the way, the way that I like to look at this concept of the separation of spirit and matter is that in order for the infinite to better know itself, it had to identify all aspects, all parts and particles. And what we've done in this age is expand our knowledge of just about everything. We understand that our universe is made of smaller and smaller, more infinitesimal particles. In order to know that ourselves, we had to separate our spiritual identity from matter to be able to see the distinction. It's an age that we had to go through and to experience in all aspects. And as we're now becoming fully aware of all that we really are, the awakening is happening. And that is referenced as the age uh, through the age of Aquarius. So the transits that we're experiencing right now in 2020 and 2021, these two years are, are the pivotal years for the realization, the full germination of those seeds of this new age, this transference, this phase shift, which we'll talk about here in a minute. So this, that's why we're discussing this in overarching terms, that how important this is to, as a transition, uh, um, transmutation of man. I like that you mentioned that how it, this has to happen, that we needed this to happen, because I think a lot of times people are resisting and like, oh, why does it have to be this way? When is it going to end? Rather than, you know, if we'll have that perspective of understanding this is, you know, it's a process that we go through and there are steps and stages and they're all, you know, you had to go through this in order to get to that. I think like if we could all have that perspective more, then we'll get through this a lot easier. Yeah, and we were talking about this yesterday, something I've referenced a lot, and in trying to see this in from a larger perspective, as we move out of the age of Pisces, it's, it will forever leave a scar in human psyche moving forward in time, which we will not soon forget, because we've reached a, a, um, a massive consciousness on the planet with, with humanity, and we've passed through the worst of all possible things that it can do its, to itself before it completely annihilates itself. So that will be remembered, and we will use that almost as a new platform of ideology and religion, that this age, like Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, he was required, he knew it was going to happen, he had to do it anyway. The same thing had to happen here. So once we move through that, there is the promise of the rebirth and the awakening, the reunion of the source. So. Yeah, and I like to simplify it even more, that we evolve and regenerate just like the seasons you know, we're not always in summer and that it is actually through that death process that we come back to life and we have that level of rejuvenation. Now we're going through it globally, you know, going through a global winter, we could say, or collective descent is quite intense. And so it is, I think, really important to acknowledge that this is, this is massive and having a huge effect on the collective psyche and the spirit. And absolutely, this is not something happening to us, it's happening for us. Yeah, I like that also that you mentioned, I guess that gets back to coming into our feminine, the part of us that's in touch with nature and earth and the cycles, because this whole idea of capitalism and we're supposed to have 3% growth or whatever every year, that's like what you're saying, always being summer. Like we can't keep always growing and producing. It doesn't, it's not aligned with everything else in the world. 
And yet we do, we have come to expect that, or our culture has come to expect that we're supposed to keep growing in this way that's, that's not in aligned with nature or realistic or sustainable. Well, to follow up on that point, you know, the whole age of Pisces, people forget that in the modern age, it's Neptune that is shown to rule Pisces. But in, in traditional astrology, it's Jupiter. Jupiter is the, is the fully expanding planet. So what it expands and with the delusion of the grandeur within itself, the whole age is now being met with the, the Saturnine aspect, the point that it has to contract. We cannot continue to linearly pass, you know, move into that direction of ever expanding. The contraction has to occur just like a breath. It's going to be difficult for a lot of people to realize that that's going to, what this age actually means is is a a new norm. Yeah, and I think that what people probably can't agree on is that there's been massive uh, manipulation of power and that our, our system has unfortunately leaned into a level of corruption that is destructive for the planet. So when, you know, somebody says, why is this happening? When is this going to end? It's really good to point to, well, is it working? Has it been working? (laughs) And in order for us to move into this new Aquarian paradigm, which is about coming together as a human family, like returning to that remembrance that we are unified collectively, like we are one source, then we will start, the more people that come online with this awareness, then we'll start deriving our decisions as such, as far as building this new world. But first, this old system has to collapse. And that's basically what has happened in 2020 was basically the the apex of that. So so that's kind of where I was going to head next is sort of moving into the present, unless you guys had anything else about the ages you wanted to ask or... Yeah, I think I just had one kind of more of a comment, I guess, is that, you know, since we are talking about ages, I think I tend to fall into that category of people who kind of want to know, like, when is it going to change? You know, when is it going to transition over? But, you know, we're talking about like thousands of years, right? Like, this isn't just like a few years. This is like an age is how many years? Well, 2,160. Uh, yeah, if, if you base it just by dividing the sky evenly, but that's probably not exactly how the ancients contrived, uh, you know, the processes of the procession of the equinox. You know, they there's probably some more mathematical principles behind how they did it, and and, and I don't think it's exactly 21,000 or 2,160 years. What I'm looking at is the energies of the shift, and particularly if you're coming out of an age that is part of the age of illusion and delusion, you may not be allowed to remember exactly these dates because, you know, a part of the awakening is finding this kind of information out. Where exactly are we in acts, what we would mark off as space-time? You know, there's there's part of consciousness that has to un- continue to still understand some of the missing pieces. We don't have it all figured out yet, and part of it is this mechanism of how astrology, spirituality, all merge with matter. So there's still more awakening to come. And I think that people are catching on to that astrology has important links. We can see these patterns through time, through uh, within ourselves that, that are all going to help them uh, uh, in this process of awakening. So. Yeah, and also, you know, these this higher knowledge and these sort of secret codes in a way to the universe were very deliberately kept from the people for a very long time for that reason. If we have direct link to to this map or to knowledge, then we're not so easily manipulated and controlled right and so that's part of the awakening going on is this resurrection of these sacred sciences and this esoteric knowledge 
On that note, I've done some mental thought and processes on why I believe we are fully now moving forward into the age of Aquarius and moving out of age of Pisces. This not just the discovery, but the actuation of and utilization of electricity, because the age of Aquarius is the electrical age. From shifting, the slow shifting over a century and a half, moving towards more and more technologically adva- uh, advanced processes that we're all involved in, computers, technology, all of this, you can start with the seeds of, of electricity and say something has changed mankind at that point. We must be entering into an age out of a fog and into something that's more concise and, and more coherent. And that's, you can just look at it symbolically, you can look at it historically and begin to put the pieces together that we are, we are fully moving into the age of Aquarius, despite what some people will say, ah, it's not another thousand years. Other people say we've been in for a thousand years. There's a wide range of uh, answers on this question. But I think just using our intuitive knowledge, we can begin to accept the fact that we are done with Pisces. It is falling away. That is this experience of the outer shell uh, falling off as we move into this um, new age of man. And also, I think, Tim, what I hear you asking is this, you know, this crisis in consciousness and global crisis that we're in, when is this going to be over? This is always a little bit challenging for me to share with my clients that this is actually just the beginning. This is the beginning of a very long journey. As I said, we're in this sort of death and rebirth global process. Things are going, and we're going to get into this, when we actually get into the material, they're going to continue to get more chaotic on the planet. However, there's different levels of, of consciousness, as we know, which is why it's so important that we are doing our personal work, because it's a vibrational shift into these higher dimensional states where we don't have to be affected by this level of dross and chaos. We actually are going to be starting to live in this higher realm simultaneously, not so different than the Pisces and Aquarius ages cusping, the dimensions are cusping as well. And so that's definitely the the direction from my guides is don't get so caught up in the storyline, what's going on down here, because that's the matrix and it's all an illusion. And so that's our work is to figure out the codes to our bodies being vessels, transceivers of light and consciousness, and to continue to, to remove any obstacles to that flow so that we can actually become acupuncture needles on the earth and create this turtle field that will uh, raise the vibration around us because this awakening is non-dogmatic. It's energetic. And that's the beautiful thing where it was more dogma in the Pisces age. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, let's, let's go into, you know, what's happening now. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. So I'm going to speed us up then um, to uh, we're, well, we're going to look at what's going on, gone on in our lifetime briefly. Uh, some of our lifetime, I will say, depending on the listener. Um, and we're going to look at what was known as the Pluto Uranus conjunction in the sixties. Okay. It was like sixties, mid sixties. Um, when we're talking about the outer planets, these are the transpersonal planets. They're the collective planets. They affect everyone as opposed to the inner planets, Venus, Mercury, Mars, those are our personal planets and they affect us differently based on our birth chart. The outer planets, when they come into some kind of alignment are affecting the entire collective, right? Pluto is the planet that rules uh, Scorpio and has to do with the underworld. You know, the shadow has to do with power and that death and rebirth process. Uranus is the higher realms. Uranus is, um, you know, the highest consciousness and has to do with awakening. So in the 60s, they came together in the sky. So they caught up, you know, Uranus 
caught up, Uranus is faster, caught up with Pluto, and they were basically holding hands. And so there was this simultaneous like drawing down of the opening of the underworld and a simultaneously like drawing up. And so it was a meeting, it was basically the heavens and the earth trying to come together and integrate to awaken consciousness. And so you remember in the 60s, you want to share a little bit of well, I wasn't quite born then, but uh, yeah, I, it did bring me into existence. I was, I was conceived in 1969, so I guess I'm a bit of an authority. But in, in 1965 uh, was the exact conjunction, and that really heralded this major shift of re- revolution and, and rebellion. You can think, we, we always think of the hippie revolution that occurred at that time, and, and it brought about the release of freedoms of sexuality and then uh, psychedelics, we were freeing our mind. Everything happened because of this energy. So we're, we're having more Uranian aspects this year, so that's why we're bringing this up right now. So Yeah, so you know that was sort of the beginning, in a way, of what has precipitated where we are today. So then we speed up a few more years to 2012. Okay, so everybody take a moment and think back in their life around what was happening 2012. Well, astrologically, Uranus had gone on past Pluto and created a 90 degree angle, which is known as a square in astrology. A square is a crisis point and saying, okay, where are we on those seeds we planted back in the 60s? And if you remember, most people would say that around 2011-12 and on through 2016, there was a major personal revolution going on. Everybody started, it was like, you know, that Plutonian, the shadow realm coming up. And then Uranus saying, I have to break out of this. I cannot live this one more day, whatever it is that was feeling repressive or, you know, something that was holding them back from their, their true radical self. You know, the spiritual awakening basically was fully ramped up during that period. Actually, you know, a lot of people consider this period to be for some, they, they look at it as a full entry into, that's the apex point when we went through this period that we were fully into the age of Aquarius. So there's, there's, there's a growing perspective that that may be the, the period that you could call the new age. You know? Yeah. And, you know, it's where, you know, there's a lot of focus on doing this deeper work, right? That's the Plutonian work, the Scorpio work, like the shadow work, like what is in the way of my highest potential? You know, what is this, these wounds or these, these schisms or these complexes, you know, that keep me from being my highest self, highest self being Uranus, the enlightened state. So there's a, there became a real focus, I think, on people understanding that it is imperative that we do that deeper work if we want to evolve. So that was pretty much sort of like this internal revolt going on where people were starting to liberate themselves and really start to come into another level of awareness and consciousness. And now I'll just bring us up to, uh, to 2020. Well, I would like to say, you know, uh, you think about it in these terms, uh, back before that, in the, in the 2000s, I, you know, I was on a fringe with a lot of people that would, would talk uh, about conspiracy concepts or ideas of higher consciousness. You were still categorized sort of woo-woo or out there fringe. And then during and, and since this period, it seems to be so much more prevalent in, in the higher zeitgeist. I mean, you see it even there's more television programs and movies about these things than, than they were prior to this. So, you know, see, seeing this awakening that's also happening, that we were becoming aware of, of these other realities, you know, so. Yeah, 
Exactly. That's true. So then now, okay. So then in 2020, this was basically another example of a pileup of these outer planets. It was this time Pluto. So Pluto was now in Capricorn, Saturn and Jupiter all coming together in the sky in the sign of Capricorn. So Pluto, we already discussed is that, you know, underworld energy. It's that dark sort of shadow, the thing, all things hidden, you know, revealing, you know, what is, what is beneath the surface meeting up with Saturn, which is authority, our leadership. And then Jupiter, the largest planet, which anything it touches, it expands or blows up and it has to do with higher consciousness. So the three of these planets coming together in the sky is very, very rare, basically because you, if you understand, Pluto takes 248 years to go around the zodiac, Saturn takes 12, and Jupiter, sorry, Saturn takes 28, and Jupiter takes 12. That's a very rare occurrence that they could all come together at the same degrees in one sign. I mean, every time, and this is how we know how to make predictions in astrology. And I remember being with you guys in December of 2019, talking about this very aspect and that's when I said, don't be surprised if you wake up with the lights out and no food on the shelves. <laughs> and, and I had a client later come back and say, I can't believe what you said at many, minute 48. And I, I didn't even remember saying it. But this is because anytime basically Saturn and Pluto have been together, there's either been a, a world war or a pandemic. So this is basically what was going on. And they were all together in the sign of Capricorn. Well, Capricorn rules our system, our government, the foundation of our lives. So basically, we're going through this cataclysmic descent into the underworld, revealing all the shadow of our authority, the corruption of our system, and also rules viruses, because that's something that's festering, that's not of the light, right? The underbelly, the underworld. And Jupiter just like blowing it up and saying, you know, in order for us to evolve, we're going to have to revamp our philosophy on life and our system. Yeah, and we have to take on more. When it began, I was realizing we were all going to be taking on more individual authority and becoming more responsible. And that we are, we're, we're having to take a, a, the next level of responsibility in our larger world. Uh, you see that happening. P people are becoming more responsible for all the things that we've pushed aside the last few years. Capricorn represents that in a lot of way. I know that we've taken a, a hard line on being more diligent with our time, not just giving away our time, saying no, this is separating the wheat from the chaff, that we, we've, we've got to get more serious about our reality, our world and where we're going. And this is, this is one of the the energies that helped propel that this last year, you know. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about the, the corruption and the sad state of the world when we talk about our system. When we're looking at Capricorn, the interesting thing is that Capricorn is actually a feminine sign. And so it is part of the equation that part of why things have been so destabilized is that there has been an imbalance between the masculine and the feminine energies and that there is a, a resurrection or a rebirth of that we're recreating leadership to elevate the feminine wisdom up into, you know, balance with the masculine drive. And that's when we have true, authentic, sustainable leadership whenever they're holding hands and it's not one over the other. That is definitely part of what is the equation. And unfortunately, there's a lot of going on on the planet where there's the polarization of the light and the dark. 
Okay, there's a lot of talk about that, right? There's a lot of talk about the masculine and the feminine. But one thing that has come into my focus this year is the need to not polarize whenever things look so dark. Things look so dark on the planet and it's and it has been quite intense. And there is this is in some ways a multidimensional battle going on. And I think it's important that we at least name that that there are energies that come through um, whenever people are not embodied and they're not in balance with their internal energies and their connection to source. Yeah, I think I think what you're referring to a moment ago was um, what he he was kind of our friend Mike Luton, who's a very respected astrologer. Uh, he was saying just you can't give in to the fear and these higher forces or lower forces that are in battle they they are working with your vibratory field and they want you to you know, the lower ones want you to give in to this fear you know to put, feed into this these mechanisms we're talking about it from a much higher spiritual perspective of course you know he did put it this way frank frank herbert and dune is that fear is the mind killer and we can't let any of these processes that we're going through right now the quarantines uh, the, some people are going through depression because of separation and, you know, from the social activities and all these things. And some people are getting angry and fierce and, you know, attacking um, the symbols of what uh, they feel to be the oppressor. And it, we can't really give in to the hate. We have to stay in focus with the love. And that's part of how being a conscious light worker, I think we have to continue to remind ourselves and remind others is that this process is the refinement of, of the higher vibratory field. So we have to recognize that these forces are embodied in our governments and in our religions and, and, and everything that's happening around us. Seeing them more clearly with compassion is uh, definitely a key to this process. I'm so glad you said compassion. That's what I kept coming back to in my mind without going all in depth, because Tim and I did this extra episode about my plant medicine experiences last year, which included like ayahuasca, where I just basically experienced hell and <laughs> got to experience evil. I found myself trying to kind of like move into the light and then realizing from that experience that that, that was sort of like spiritual bypassing. And then I had done a DMT experience after that, where I just decided I was just going to sit with whatever, accept, accept whatever came up, no matter how bad it was. And that was this wonderful kind of experience of a shift into embodying compassion and recognizing. And then the message that I was getting was that compassion is the bridge between dark and light, or compassion is the bridge between spirit and matter. So yeah, we're, I think with all these um, light workers. A lot of times there's that, like you said, that, that battle idea about good battling evil and that keeps us stuck there. And then also, but we don't want to be in, in the fear on the side either, but the bridge is compassion, right? The bridge. So like when we have compassion, we can hold space for those wherever they're at and it keeps us in connected in unity versus separating, but it doesn't mean that we have to drop into wherever they're vibrating at. And right. so- yeah, oh, that, that's where, you know, we can elevate the vibrational field by holding our space, but not separating, like you said, and not polarizing, because that is only perpetuating the original separation, because there's nothing outside of ourselves. It's so true. And there is no inherent evil, necessarily. It's just a matter of, you know, how much someone is in alignment with the light or not. I know, in my own personal life in, in past, 
whenever I would maybe focus on some someone who, you know, was acting out in some kind of a way and really focus in on whatever I didn't like, the distortion, right? The distortion, the wound, the, the, um, the anger, the, the illness, that I would get more of that. But if I would find something that I could focus on them that was of their higher self or that I appreciated, like magically before my eyes, I would see more of that. And so we can actually practice this from afar, you know, with, you know, the leaders of our country or anyone that's triggering us is it's like, well, how can we find union energetically without necessarily having to play in their playground uh, that can uh, vibrationally and energetically create something that is uplifting as opposed to more polarization? Well, one yeah. way to to or for me that I use to activate that compassion is to remember these axioms. And one of those is as without, so within, and it's the same concept of as above, so below. But when you really apply to the terms of good and evil, you must remember that all of this is part of our being. You know, any good that we see in the world is part of us. Any evil that we see in the world is also part of us. And therefore, we have to have compassion on ourselves first. And then the process grows from there. To have compassion on the rest of the world that perceives these things still as good and evil, could perceive the separation. Because what we're all trying to do as an enlightened being is to go beyond that perception. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad you guys brought up this whole topic because... uh... Yeah, it seems to me that this is clearly a theme that's going on right now is, you know, a greater understanding and compassion. And I feel it too. I feel it very strongly right now that we are transitioning in more than one way. There's energetic transitions happening. There's, of course, this astrology transition. The point where these two intersect, this transition point is always going to be turbulence. You're going to have the back and forth, right? So you're going to have the negative and the positive trying to integrate and through that process you see a lot of yeah what i call turbulence and it's just like that back and forth where the people who want to keep things the same or the energy that wants to remain how it was kind of fights against what's changing and and you see that in people's behavior and you see that in your own thoughts and behavior at least i do and, and you see it in the media very clearly. You see them focused on things that we're ready to move past, you know, and they focus on these things. And it kind of keeps us in a way in that negative mindset, in that mindset where uh, things are bad and things are tough and difficult. But then, you know, you'll go to social media and see the opposite message being spread around just as prevalently, you know, so... Yeah, and I think there is a lot more of that to come. I feel like there is more of that just because we are in this transition state where it's going to be a back and forth for a while. Yeah, that's a good point. And and that's actually the second major astrological event that happened uh, last year that I wanted to mention is that the the nodal axis moved from Cancer Capricorn into Sagittarius Gemini. And so for those of you who are unfamiliar, the nodal axis is really integral to evolutionary astrology. It's also called the destiny line, and it represents the, the karmic destiny of your, your life in your personal chart, your karma from your past life, sort of where you've gotten a little bit off track, and then what's your remedy in this life. And so the south node is your 
your past life incarnation, who you were archetypally and, and whatnot, where there was an imbalance or shadow material, and then the, the, uh, the healing or the remedy to find alignment is to reach for the polarity point, the opposite, which is the North node. It's like your North star. And that's in the personal chart. Well, we also have transiting the transiting nodal axis. That's the collective karma or shadow and the collective Dharma that we need to embrace to balance this out. The nodal axis takes 19 years to go around the zodiac. So every year and a half, it is going to dance between two opposite signs. So in last year in 2020, the nodal axis moved from Cancer Capricorn, which the preceding year and a half was all about masculine, feminine, healing our deepest childhood wounds. And then whenever it moved May 5th in 2020 into Gemini Sagittarius, this is the axis of knowledge. This is the axis of information. It has to do with belief systems. It has to do with the dissemination of knowledge and languaging and communication. So you see where this is where the, the polarity came in with the information wars. This is around that time, May of last year. Okay, just specifically to talk about the virus. This is, was the first split and argument of, oh, is it, is it natural or is it man-made? So this is when we started to see the split going on in the information of what are we supposed to believe here, right? Where, what is fact and what is fiction? Sagittarius is, the tra- is where the transiting, which is where it is in the sky, south node, which is where we're stuck collectively, which is our karmic place. Sagittarius has to do with enlightenment. It has to do with intuitive wisdom, and it has to do with our belief systems. Well, the shadow of Sagittarius is holding on so desperately tight to your version of reality, to your belief system, and not listening, not doing your own fact gathering, not looking outside the box. And so guess what? The the North Node is, the opposite, is Gemini, which is just that it's about duality. It's about, you know, information gathering. It's about listening to other people's perspective. It's about not drawing the line in the sand. And so this has been going on since May and the nodal axis is what creates the eclipses. Anytime there's a newer full moon conjunct the nodal axis that creates an eclipse. So every six months we go through eclipse season and that's a real concentrated time of those energies where we're attempting to make this sort of like quantum leap in our evolution because we're talking about our destiny basically and so it's so true like and really what we're being asked to do is to blend the hemispheres of the brain really the right and the left the intuitive and the factual instead of there being just one idea there's many ideas to be curious instead of to just declare you know that I know and a lot of this has been out of a state of I will say panic and fear and destabilization of the psyche that people want to hold on to something. And when you see that everything's crumbling on the outside, you know, that's going to create a level, a level of deep, deep destabilization, which then creates what's known as cognitive dissonance, where I can't look outside of my paradigm because my psyche can't handle it. It's too much, too fast. I don't want to, I don't want to believe that that could be true, that there could be such dark maneuvering going on that everything I believed is actually false. And that's what we're really looking at is that potential and that possibility here. And so in a way, you know, I think we're invited to 
those that can to loosen up on our version that it, 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 we don't have to know everything factually. This is where, like in the beginning, I said, just staying away from the story. But if there are people in our lives who are struggling with this, to understand we don't need a collective breakdown right now to allow people to have their sense of their whatever it is that they're believing and to not try to push any kind of agenda that they're not ready to hear. Yeah, I, you know, just I just want to add one final note to that is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Sagittarius ascendant and I'm also very Gemini influenced. And, you know, it's the challenge of being able to explore and have knowledge of infinite experience. Can you perceive the world infinitely? Can you go in all directions and ha- have a, a experience realize actually you are infinite? Can you hold and grasp that knowledge? And we're entering that level of information. That means uh, that everything out there you have to accept about yourself no matter what it is and that may be harsh for as we move through this but that's what's that's going to shake out who's judgmental who's going to hold people in the negative space and who's going to rise above that this is part of that that cleaving that separation of the wheat from the chaff can you can you can we experience all that is are we going to deny the possibilities of um you know uh, just to put it out there like that are people going to continue to deny that um, gender is way beyond what people have perceived it for the last 200 years? And there's still some people that don't want to accept that. Can we accept that, that maybe a lot of hidden things in the world have happened that have been corrupt in our in our governments? You know, what people people still they stand up and wave the flag and say that no, it's not possible that anything's been hidden from us. You know, but we have to be able to accept those perspectives, even if you don't fully believe them, you accept them. So that's part of this um, awakening to full knowledge that we're passing through and this, this info war that's uh, taking place. Exactly. So those are the two main astrological events that really colored the entire year. And then here just back in December on solstice. So December 21st, Jupiter and Saturn that were, you know, had been there in Capricorn moved into Aquarius. So they conjunct together on the same day at zero degrees Aquarius. It's known as the great conjunction. It happens every 20 years that they enter a new sign together, but they've been in earth signs for 800 years. So this is massive that they actually are now moving into air. And so they're actually, a lot of astrologers are calling this the great mutation because we're talking alchemically of going from density of earth to air, which is, which is consciousness, right? Higher mind. Well, well, they've moved through a full cycle of the elements in the last 800 years. Right. Uh, so they've been, they've been uh, actually in earth for 200 years. So this is like a phase shift from a denser uh, energy into a higher energy as we move into the energy of air for the, uh, for approximately the next 200 years, I believe it's around 180, yeah, exactly, 80, yes. actually. So. Exactly. I have to say okay. that that, I, that was very palpable. I really felt that shift mm-hmm. from, from the solstice on. I felt lighter and freer. I felt really different ever since then. I, I bet you others have too, but I'm just, yeah. I'm, Tim, I don't know if you want to chime in on that. Oh, I no, really I was just going to say, yeah, that, yeah, I'm glad you guys clarified that because I really wasn't sure like how that all worked because I heard people talking like, oh, it's been 800 years, but you really made it clear to me. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, I definitely felt it because I have zero degrees Aquarius rising. <laughs> so they uh, conjunct my ascendant, which means that they were leaving the 12th house, which is the end of the zodiac, which is about dissolution. 
and into the first house, which is the new cycle, Aries. And I have absolutely felt this rebirth energy. So it's kind of been a, like a double whammy for me. But, you know, I think we're going to continue to, to that's going to continue to gain speed. And that's, you know, I guess where we would move on into what's going on, what to foresee for this year, if you guys are ready for that. Uh, yeah, well, we can just say generally that uh, Saturn and Uranus are pretty much going to dominate the uh, the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So we're going to go into some detail about that if you have any questions. Um, yeah. So are you, are you ready for us to move into 2021? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Are we so ready to move? <laughs> right, right. Well, things aren't going to settle down. <laughs> They're just going to be different. But I think that everybody, this is not going to be a surprise to people because we're already seeing it. What's going to happen here is that Saturn is going to kind of truck along, right, in Aquarius and come into that 90 degree angle with Uranus. Okay, so remember, I mentioned that this is a crisis point. This is a conflictual aspect. In evolutionary astrology, though, there are no bad aspects. They are the grist for the mill, the impetus to grow, you know, but they have to figure it out. And they're, they're not, they have different agendas. Yeah. And, and as we go into this, what's happening now, what's happening in, for 2021, I just w- took a, a note before we came on was that we, we need to kind of think of this as there is no going back to normal. And I know there's a large contingent of community out there that wants to think that, oh, this is going to smooth over and we're going to go back to pre-2020, you know, it'll be it'll be something like we had before. And I think just making this note as we go into the importance of our time is that that is, that is uh, not going to happen. And we're going to have to redefine, we are in the process of redefining what normal is and should have been. Yeah. Just, just to make that note as we, as we move forward in this talk. I'm glad you made that really clear. That was, was quite blunt actually. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, I, I do get that same impression. Like, I don't even see how you could rationalize that things would go back to normal. Like how do, how would that even play out? Like, I just don't see it. So yeah, yeah there, there's a lot of people out there that still think that uh, we're going to be back to uh, swimming in the beach on in the summer and uh, doing things the way we were. And the, you know, uh, maybe they think we're going to take, uh, uh, you know, the radiation detectors out of the airports too. I don't know, but that's not going to happen either. <laughs> so uh, uh yeah, the x-ray machine. So yeah, it, we got to think of it. This is this is steps towards a new paradigm. And, and part of uh, what, what's happening here is that there are more controls that are going to be taking over that are going to be in at the lead of some of these processes, we'll say. Well, the control, the system is not going to give up easily. Right. We need to just face that. So it's basically, that's the square, right? Mm-hmm. So Saturn represents the old guard. Saturn is the old conventional, you know, um, patriarchy, basically. Uranus rules Aquarius. It's the new age, right? So it's the progress, the innovation. Uranus is in Taurus, which rules the earth and the body. And so, you know, Uranus has been actually in Taurus since uh, 20, did we, it was like, it was 2017? Yeah, And Uranus, I always like to think of as the lightning bolt of change in the hands of destiny. It's the storm. It's that lightning bolt that comes in and wakes us up. It's the great awakener, right? That's why it's one of the rulers of Aquarius. And in Taurus, it is bringing this higher vibrational 
energy to the planet, basically, that is part of this massive awakening that we've been, you know, since like, I can't remember exactly what um, month it was, but higher level of electromagnetic energy. So it's part of this awakening. And a lot of people's chakras are really opening, more people are channeling, you know, it also rules innovation. And so we see, you know, changes going on on the planet with, with uh, food sourcing and things like that. There's a lot of good that could come and that will come. However, you know, Saturn is going to square Uranus three times this year. And because of the retrograde action. Um, but it's basically the aspect that colors the entire year. What we're looking at here is this sort of like very restrictive sort of controlling, going to fight tooth and nail to keep the power and control going to be coming up against the people and the higher consciousness. And so this is, you know, this is a revolt. This is a revolution happening. And, you know, there's going to be moments, too, where it's going to get extremely volatile. And one of those moments is actually this month, whenever other aspects come, like Mars, the, the god of war, the planet, the warrior that will fight for freedom, is coming in right now as we speak into close contact with Uranus. Well, think about the god of war with lightning squaring the system. Well, we've already seen that, what, what just happened last week with, the, you know, the Capitol building. And what's... What's ironic, or actually in a world of no synchronicity, Inauguration Day is the exact conjunction of Mars with Uranus. I mean, it's a very volatile aspect. It's going to go down in history. Most astrologers are just saying, if you live in a big city, stay home. You're with Uranus, it's always expect the unexpected. And then energetically, it's very I want to say violent, but I want to be careful because, you know, we don't know for sure what's going to happen, but we can already feel that the energy is rising because there's still just this uncertainty with, with the presidency, right? Well, yeah, you have to think of these in archetypal terms and symbolic terms as well. So what we have here is Saturn is, you know, a representative of the structures and anything that is structural. And particularly when it comes to governments, we're going to see a heading off. This is like the begin. I want to say this is like the beginning of the revolution. You know, those battles that began to take place just before, you know, the American revolution, because we're in the same cycle. We are in the same degrees, close to the same degrees of Pluto and Capricorn as we were in the 1770s, as we were leading into that. So we're seeing similar things happen now. The Uranian energy is being sparked from the Pluto's coming move into Aquarius. It's already getting ready to fight. You know, it's like Saturn and Uranus have some major issues with each other. In fact, in Greek mythology, I believe Saturn castrated Uranus, you know, and they, 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 you know, mythologically that was symbolic of uh, uh, making Uranus less fertile, but it was also less potent enemy. When Saturn and Uranus come together in some sort of conflict, war ensues, battle ensues, but Saturn eventually wins, always, because chaos can only hold out for so long. Think of it in, in revolutionary terms as well. During the same cycle, we had the French Revolution and, you know, there was the, the uh, Robespierre and was cutting off everybody's heads and everything. And, and then that lasted for a while. And then Napoleon came in and took over. So it's like there's all and he's he's authority in Saturnine. So we're going to go through a period of chaos. We're entering that conflictory period now. But the, the thing that what we can see already is that 
the powers that be are not going to let go anytime soon. There's going to have to be a transmutation from within before that to happen. That from the ingrained powers, they're going to continue to hold on. They're going to continue to manipulate as much as they can. Think of it in these terms. So we, we do know that the banking systems are used for control and they're used for power. And we have cryptocurrency that's awakening. That's Uranian energy. The bankings are Saturnine. And they're going to start going at it more and more. You see this happening in the media. The new idea and the technology of cryptocurrency will eventually prevail. That's the Uranian influence that's brought. But then the Saturnine structures that have to build a world around that civilization will take over. I hate to say this. It may take a century, but they will eventually usurp authority over that tool because it's it's going to be used to uh, centralize. There's a decentralization theme that's going to be happening. Uh, It's already started. And you see that in in cryptocurrency for as well. It will uh, eventually have to be centralized. You can think of eventually all the coins will fall off and there will only be Bitcoin. Think of it in those terms, you know. Um, (laughs) I hate to say that, but, but eventually these things will come to pass. And you see the seeds of these liberating processes starting now. Shannon got me kind of excited and interested in cryptocurrency. And so I, you know, I only last year started to invest in some and only late last year, but then I started to follow it. It was really interesting with the great conjunction, how suddenly after that shift into more Aquarius energy, all the prices were like, whoa, just going so fast. And yeah, it's really interesting to follow that. Well, look how potent it's become just in the last month. You know, that's I mean, what, it that's is what she said. Yeah. since the great conjunction. Yeah. Since the great conjunction. I mean, I, we actually invested on the conjunction. Yeah, we there. did. We yeah. did it like so a ritual. We did a ritual <laughs> around this. And it's like, OK, uh, I was aware of them years ago and I just kind of put it off. I probably have like 100 Bitcoin laying in some computer somewhere that I oh. like, really gave me back when it first started. And I, and I just like, ah, oh, this will never take off. You know, my my cancerian skeptical side came out a little bit. And now I had to awaken to the what's actually happening in consciousness before I realized that this is the new blood of, of the higher consciousness, yeah. that we're going to get away. Everything's going to move away uh, you know, from a material world into a digitized reality. And part of that's going to happen with the currency, which is you know, the, the, the flow of, uh, of life on the planet. You know? And what's interesting that I just sort of realized is that, um, that the whole crypto web is not just about money. It's actually can decentralize everything, which is really incredible. So it's a, it really is a replica of the energetics of the Aquarian age, which is about us returning to an interconnected state that we are working together instead of having it be a hierarchical system. So it's really been blowing my mind and it is really fascinating to learn. I think it's really wise for people to start paying attention and learn for yourself enough to get going on it and, and kind of do it with fun and curiosity. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm glad you guys brought this up because, uh, you know, I, I know a lot about this. I, I've actually, I've actually talked to people, been talking to people about this for years, and I was even involved in the whole mining of Bitcoin years ago. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's something that I'm I, I I didn't know if this day would ever come, but I thought it might, you know. And and here it is. And everything you're saying is really to me, it's really exciting. I feel like I don't feel the fear, you know, like you're talking about revolution and 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 change and and you know all these major things happening, but I don't feel fear. I feel excited about it. Mm-hmm. I guess that's just how I am cuz even 2020, you know, it was a very tumultuous year for a lot of people and you know there what boggled my mind was that people painted it to be this horrible year, but 
to me it was it was fantastic it was great because i could see like you know this is it's finally time like you know yeah. thing, you know it's I, like all these things are you know you can look at them in a negative way but i looked at them in a positive way and i loved it i really did and i i know i'm in the minority when i say that but um and i feel like oh go ahead well, no i was wrote, just gonna say i feel like this same energy is probably gonna spill into next year too yeah, I wrote this just before we went on as well. I said, it's your choice, fear of what might come or the excitement of what lies ahead. I mean, you just said it right before I, I but I, we're on the same page with that. It's, it's, that's part of the conscious raising mechanism is we're still in the temporal reality. Uh, therefore, we get to make the choice. Do we align with the lower vibration or do we have excitement of what's coming? Well, and that is what I was pointing to earlier about the vibrational shift, we have access to live in that state now where there is unlimited potential to co-create with the divine. What is there not to be excited about? Now, people that have had a really hard time and struggled are still probably making that journey to those higher states of consciousness is where the light workers and the healers are going to become more and more valued. But I will say, I see many clients a week and 99% of them have reflected what you're saying is that this year has brought so many blessings. You know, to have that collective pause to slow down and to reorient and to reflect and to heal and to re-navigate what's most important. And then just literally, you know, I've seen so many of my clients open up to the higher realms. It's been incredible to watch, like people starting to channel for the first time. We all have access to this, but we needed that global pause, that to, to redirect our focus, to get off the hamster wheel, because the disease of our times is busyness and being stuck in that system, in that matrix just to survive. There's not much time to worry about or to think about your, your raising your consciousness or vibration. Well, we got that gift this past year. Yeah, that's perfect. Calling busyness a disease because it is, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so we can just kind of sit back and realize that, you know, <laughs> recreating a whole new world might take a little while, right? And so I basically see us as farmers planting seeds. People are going to start revolting because this level of control that they're, you know, it's like, it's like when the ego is is kind of perceiving its looming death, right? It's just going to try to hold on. <laughs> well, this is like the collective ego, right? That's this capitalistic system, this 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 patriarchal system, and so they're going to they're going to pull out all the shots, right? And so it's kind of ironic, and it is a little disappointing, you know, but makes sense when we think about regenerating through that death and rebirth. But we are sort of entering into this Aquarian age in the shadow if we think about us all standing around in a circle singing kumbaya you know in the aquarian age it's like wow we're more isolated and separated than ever we're being taught to fear each other these are the things that we have to see through you can't buy into what everything is being fed and this through the media and that's where this nodal axis in the in the gemini sag is saying hey wake up do your own homework. And the, and the great thing is that, you know, these, these forces are revealing themselves. The light has gotten so bright that it's, it's really just illuminating the distortion so overtly where it used to be covert. So that's where it can be destabilizing to be like, oh my God, I can't believe this is going on. It's like, well, you know what? We can't heal something if we don't know where it is and where it's hiding. This whole system is really going to self-destruct. There's so many people doing good work on the planet and remembering who they are and, and getting in alignment with spirit that, you know, this is going to be a very exciting 
rest of our lives. And, you know, empowering the children is something that I'm very passionate about because I am worried about the youth on one hand. You know, I, I, they are really having a hard time right now. You know, the ones that are supposed to be heading into college, figuring out a career, you know, to survive and to save the world. I mean, hello. And so, you know, we really need to cater to that, that age group. I also remind the parents, because I do work with adolescents, they chose to be here at this time. They have everything they need, but they do need a container and they do need guidance and leadership and reflection of who they truly are on this deeper soul level. Yeah, I can empathize with that for sure. My daughter's 13, you know, it's a very social age. She's just having a really tough time. So we try to support her in the best way that we can. And for that age, it's not always fun for them to be around their, just their parents, you know, so. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, my kids are 9 and 11, and I just, I share with them the way I share with everyone today. I tell them exactly what's going on. They're ready to hear it. We can't sugarcoat this. There's no way, you know, and really it's, it's good. This is, this is, um, igniting them. This is igniting them and helping them awaken to, to activate the codes that they need to plug in, to be the ones that are going to continue this, um, laying of this new ground, you know, the planting of these seeds and tending to it even longer. So, you know, I, it is, it is tough to watch what they're going through. And I, and I feel personally passionate about creating more programs for the youth uh, out here at the Lotus Bend where we have a little retreat center. And I, and I see things popping up, you know, when there's a crisis, people show up and create uh, what's needed. So I, I do have faith we'll get through that, but it's been a little tough to know so many of the youth are struggling. They are waking up a lot earlier than we all did. <laughs> yeah. I'm noticing, I'm sure you're noticing with your client base too, like where my client base used to be of older age. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Like a lot younger people are coming. I mean, like, you know, yeah. for like past life regression, I don't like for them to come in until, you know, they're like 18 or something just so that they have at least enough life experience that they can handle anything that they might've gone into another past life. But I have others that are really wanting, that are interested in that in their late teens and early twenties, I used to not have anybody that age range that was interested in this kind of stuff. And now there's a lot of interest in that. And so I find that really um, encouraging that, that that they care, right? Like, because at those ages, you know, everybody just used to care about um, money and and how you look. And so there's definitely a big shift going on there. Yeah. Well, that's evolution in action. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just yesterday, uh, we had a guest over, and she was describing uh, her son's tenacity for astrology, and he'd had it for a while. And he's only fourteen years old, and he's trying to identify, you know, zodiological signs by looking at people's faces and asking, you know, the, everybody on the street, you know, their birthdays and running their charts. And I said, "This kid has it bad at four fourteen. So I gave him a book, and you know, <laughs> you take this, you know, uh, our compliments uh, because they are waking up much earlier to the importance of all of this information. And I love giving readings to, to adolescents. I feel like they're just, they're sponges and they're, again, it's, it's about just reflecting who they are to themselves. They already know all these things, but our culture and our world has been just so off track with the fixation, the addiction to consumerism and technology and whatnot, that they're really hungry for someone to speak to them on this level. Uh, so, so I'm hoping for more of that. I'm calling in more adolescent clients. 
I'm sure after this, you'll, you might be surprised how many people. Yeah, come. I was just thinking, um, oh, I, I got to sign my daughter up for that. I was thinking that for you too, Tim. Yeah. I was thinking, I bet you Tim's going to do that. Um, I, will. But I wanted to go back to, you know, because you mentioned like, I think three times this year, you'd have the square yeah. with, with Saturn and Uranus. And so this one is coming up. By the time this episode airs, we'll see how it all played out from the inauguration time. But then when are those, you know, I always think it's interesting when things come in three to, I mean, three also, <laughs> this Trinity. Yeah. So I was curious if that's like spread out throughout the year that will kind of like have the culmination of that at the very end of the year or how is that? Yeah. So, so actually, um, if you look at the full orb of influence, it actually started around December the 9th of last year. And we're moving into the first conjunction, a full conjunction of that on the Feb on February 17th. And then it conjuncts again on June 14th and then to, at the end of the year, the day before Christmas on December 24th. But the, but the full energy of, that, of this influence is uh, going to uh, last for about 15 months until March 10th of 2022. So that's mm -hmm. a, it's, it's going to kind of uh, be the theme of the year. And it's interesting to think about, this is not just going on here in the States, this is globally, you know, yeah. and there's, there's like these massive protests going on in Europe and all over that we don't, they don't show us on the news. Mm -hmm. You have to really be tuning into alternative news. So I really recommend that people do, you know, Gemini North node, do your homework, uh, look outside of what's going on on the TV. I'm sure most of your listeners are already aware of that, but it is kind of, it's tough right now when you can't, the censorship, it's like, what? You know, I mean, I've had things taken off Facebook on my own feed. And so we're, we're, it's really tricky right now to know what to believe. And so that goes again back to the nodal axis. And the nodes are going to be in Sag Gemini until the end of the year. And that's another, you know, big focus uh, that we'll continue to see this sort of division between people based on information, based on beliefs. It's going to be very interesting, you know, to see how it unfolds. And then again, around the, the eclipses, which I'll go ahead and tell you, we have um, the eclipse season. So you can kind of tune into that. May 26th, we have a full moon lunar eclipse in Sagittarius. Eclipses always come in pairs, sometimes in three, but it's a full moon and a new moon, which is like a massive beginning birth. And then also a massive end of something like simultaneously. Lunar eclipse is a full moon in Sagittarius. Two weeks later is the, the rebirth of the, the new moon solar eclipse in Gemini. And so oftentimes during an eclipse window, you know, massive things happen, bigger things happen that, that really affect the collective or affect our lives for longer months or years. And then the second eclipse season, they're six months apart. There's two per year is uh, November 19th. There'll be a full moon lunar eclipse in Taurus actually. So it's interesting. The nodal axis is going to retrograde back into dip into the Taurus Scorpio axis briefly. And then the solar eclipse will actually still be in Sagittarius. And then after that, December 24th, the nodal axis will move permanently into the Taurus Scorpio axis, which is where it will be for the following uh, year and a half, which is going to watch be out Tim. That's where <laughs> is that. So Tim, your is that where yours is your nodes? Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. So that means that you'll be having a nodal opposition 
um, which basically anytime the eclipses fall on like your sun or like on, a, on one of your personal planets, it's a big karmic time for you. So all the people that are Sag Gemini for this year and a half are going through a lot. It just means this is a very significant time connected to their destiny the deeper stuff, the deeper work. But I just thought I'd just mention briefly, it's a ways away, but when the nodal axis, so the collective karmic shift into Taurus Scorpio happens, there's going to be, it's going to be interesting because remember Scorpio is the underworld, the shadow. So things being really revealed, but then this real potential for regeneration and Taurus is our security. And so finding new ways of security. And so that's, I think, you know, at the root of a lot of this destabilization is that, you know, the ego wants to find its security on the outside. So on our job, you know, we trust our government to protect us, you know, on the system. Well, you know, of course, if that's all sort of disappearing or dissolving in front of our eyes, that's very uncomfortable and destabilizing. Well, the invitation is to, you know, to seek that from within, you know, what is, we really don't have anything to hold on to on the outside, you know, that the days of security and social security even are gone on the outside. And we realize that, and most people probably listening to this can think about their own life, that even in the hardest times or the darkest moments, we always come out okay. We always come out and oftentimes even better because that's really my experience is the deeper things have gone or like the harder things that whenever I come out of that underworld and that Phoenix is flying with a new vantage point above, there's a higher, higher level of understanding of mindfulness of awareness and of consciousness. And that truly is what's going on globally is this collective dark night of the soul to, to reveal all the obstructions to the light so that in this new age, we can actually truly all ascend together. So, um, so that's, you know, going to be, you know, down the road, but I just thought it would be, and that's also going to be a time where the focus is really on money. So Taurus and Scorpio is all about resources. So that's, I think with cryptocurrency, that's really going to take another upswing um, starting 2022. So getting in on things before that would probably be a good idea. Oh my gosh. I, we could probably have a whole episode about uh, crypto as I, cause as I was reading about it, um, I found it really interesting about the um, astrology of Bitcoin and when it was birthed and yeah. like all these ideas about who, who created it and how did, seems like they knew a lot about astrology. And then I, I read about how I didn't know, like Ben Franklin was like an astrologer. And then I was like, Oh, this stuff is so fascinating. You know, like the roots of our, our country. And then how, I don't know, all of that is really like, I guess that would be a whole other episode. Cause I feel like there's a lot that could be said that about that, but yeah, I find that really um, exciting. And I, I'm somebody who just really doesn't care about money very much, but yeah, once it like it started to pair with like astrology and these energetic influences, I was like, Oh, that's really fascinating. And that got me interested in it. Yeah, you could probably do about uh, five episodes on the um, astrology founders in the United States, you know, <laughs> who practice these metaphysics and who knew astrology and how our system, I mean, there's very fascinating, and I'll, I'll just make one point, you know, the uh, inauguration is coming up, but it used to be on March the 4th every year. And most people don't realize this, but the election was traditionally held around the same time, November 4th, and then the birth of our country is uh, July 6th. Uh, if you look at it by the chart, it's, it's the three water signs, Pisces, 
uh, Cancer, our birthday, and then November Scorpio. They're holding a grand trine in the sky. And they did this for 200 years until they finally had to change it because of Venus uh, shifted backwards in the sky. It was based on the Venus movements. Um, but th th they were this rooted in astrology and the occult that they hid it even in the election, you know, <laughs> how, how, you, how the country was birthed and, and uh, presidents are elected. So, Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, you could do a lot of episodes on that. <laughs> all the greatest, all the greatest le leaders in history have had a personal astrologer. Yeah. <laughs> they maybe didn't talk about it, but, you know, it's true. Well, okay, so there's just a couple other things that I thought I'd point to, just briefly, actually. One thing I wanted to just kind of wind up with the Saturn Uranus square is that they, it's, it's, these are fixed signs. Saturn is in Aquarius and Uranus is in Taurus, which are both fixed signs, which means that those with fixed signs will be most affected this year. The fixed signs are Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. Okay, so that means your moon and your rising signs. So just FYI on that. And then, you know, just, just referencing that, of course, we'll have our Mercury retrograde cycles. You know, we have those every year. They come three times a year for three weeks each. But it's interesting that they're all in air, all three. So here's this theme again. There's this accelerated awakening going on of having us to assess our consciousness with opportunities to accelerate our awakening or to let go of old beliefs or, you know, whatever it is that we're, we're sort of revamping or rebirthing. It's like a renaissance of our, our version of reality in a way, you know, and this is sort of like a, I think Vanessa called it a dystopian re renaissance <laughs> that's happening, you know? And so that's what we really have to hold and to celebrate is that this is the time we've been waiting for. And we, we had to know that it wasn't like, I mean, I remember years ago when I would hear about the Ascension, I would think, ah, oh, what conceptually like, oh, does that mean we're going to all like be on another planet or what, <laughs> where are we going to go? Like, how's that going to work? You know? And now it's like, wow, it's here now. It's totally here now. So the retrograde cycles, um, the first one's coming up, actually, it's January 30th through February 20th, and it's going to be in Aquarius. So anytime a planet is retrograding, it's a review a reevaluation of that planet planet's energy with the invitation for a, a revamp or, a, a, you know, a, a reboot. We always use the rewords with a retrograde. So we think about, well, Aquarius. So we might be reviewing what does it mean to be in this new age? What does it mean to be in community? You know, we think about some Aquarian words, you know, what, what is, what is all this technological advancement serving us? You know, we didn't really get into AI, but wow, have you noticed how that's been so much more predominant in, this, in the zeitgeist since we entered into this after December 21st? I mean, it was building. Is there anything you want to say about that? No, I, I, I just want like to say that uh, keeping up with anything technological or anything happening with AI consciousness is probably very important for any of your listeners that want to think in these terms beyond because these advancements are revealing a lot of our own our own conscious inner workings you could say we're being asked to accept a new version of reality that may be controlled by something that's questionable in the future and uh, so i think in in terms of what's emerging is you got to remember not to be in fear of any of these technologies as we move forward uh, one of one of the things i did want to add to something you said earlier is that 
we have to start accepting the fact that we, our world is going to have to let go of some of a lot of what it's perceived as its own sovereignty. And we think we're moving towards sovereignty, but we're going to have to let go of a lot of our own privacies as technology advances. We're going to, we're going to be tracked more. We're going to, they're going to give us reasons which, which they want to look after us. And part of our, part of our path is to accept that. Um, not to fight against it, not to resist. There's going to be things we have to resist, but there's going to be things that we have to accept. There's going to be cameras everywhere on us. There's going to be everything that we do is going to be tracked and recorded. And that's part of this awakening to uh, consciousness on the next level, which where things begin to integrate and become one. And so that's where I, I, I just wanted to cycle back to that use of compassion. We have to be compassionate with everyone and everything as much as we can through this process. Yeah, when I think of... 5D or, you know, these higher consciousness, and I think of like, oh, and, you know, this awareness of oneness and telepathy, then there is no hiding or private. So, like, this idea of, like, having compassion is, like, having compassion for all our shadow aspects. And and so, like, if we can fully love and accept ourselves, then we feel free to be seen, you know, not trying to be perfect, but just because we ac- accept ourselves, and there's nothing to be afraid of, to be judged, or, and then we do that for each other. So even though this is like coming in, in a like dark, lower vibration of that, it's kind of bringing us still to that place of just being okay, that everything is connected and seen and known and so forth. That's such a great point. It's like, that's where that's a perfect example of how not to polarize with these quote unquote dark, we've been talking about needing to find some new languaging because dark has such a negative connotation, but even with some of these agendas around population control, right? By this darker force, well, population control is maybe not a bad idea on some level, right? Do we want to believe that it's going on in this particular way? We maybe not want to think about it on those terms. However, we can't really question what's happening that's moving us towards the future. We have to trust it no matter what. And, and, and it is a fine line sometimes. And I think we still will have some choice. You know, there's, there's, there are some ways in which we can maybe get around some of these things, but it's true. Like if, if we are all one consciousness, then, you know, having cameras or whatever, or having what's her name in the house talking back to us. Then oh, Alexa. Alexa, yeah, who's yeah. always <laughs> listening. I'm like, oh my God. You know? Yeah. Well, it's wild. The, part of that is like, you know, we, ex- we, we really want to expect transparency from our interactions in the world, from our governments, from religion and all of this. But yet we have to also be willing now as we move forward that transparency works both ways. They're going to, they're going to watch us. They're going to know everything going on in our bank accounts. They're going to, you know, it's all going to become digital and trackable and, and more and more information is being sucked out of the internet and the zeitgeist. And we have to, you, you just keep clicking. Okay. Every time they send you new conditions. Off, whatever. <laughs> you don't read them. And that's giving over these freedoms of transparency, you know? So we had to, we just start accepting it. And at some point it's like, this is just part of the process of becoming transparent as a, uh, you know, and fully in integrity. Yeah. The one, uh, yeah. the one mind on the outside. I mean, the world wide web is an outer, you know, manifestation of the interconnectedness of all of this. It's like man always creates something on the outside first that reflects actually what's going on on the collective conscious level. It's very fascinating to yeah. think about it like that. It's easier to handle when you think of in those terms. Yeah. Um, Okay. So that's the first retrograde, May 29th through June 22nd, retrograde in Gemini. So, you know, again, Gemini is about 
information. So there's going to be a lot of more like information coming in all the time and a reevaluation. Like, what does this mean? You know, how do I move forward with this piece? Um, September 27th and through October 18th, the last one is actually in Libra, which is about relationships. Um, so there would be a focus on, you know, reevaluating the relationship dynamics. Uh, it's also about justice, you know, and, and things of that nature. It's the sign of the scales. And then the very end of the year, December 19th, Venus will go retrograde, which Venus and Mars retrograde every other year. So it's more rare than the Mercury retrograde. And again, it's, it's in Capricorn, which tells me that there's going to be a sort of review time on, well, potentially the relationship dynamics and the foundation Capricorn underneath, you know, is this solid? Is this something that's enduring? Or, you know, do we want to commit or is there too many cracks or, you know, or our finances, you know, looking at, you know, the old system, like, oh, maybe I want to take some of my money out of my savings in my, in the, my bank account, put it in cryptocurrency, or maybe I need to start being, you know, saving and building a greater foundation. But that, you know, anytime it's a retrograde and with Venus, and we're, we're talking about what we value most, our closest relationships and our finances. So that will, you know, begin at the end of the year. And we've got a, a ways to go before we have to talk about that. But that is basically. That's a quick wrap for the. For 20 yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, I'm, sh I'm sure we're going to have to have you guys back for, you know, mid-year for another. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure a lot between now and mid-year will have gone down and we'll want to yeah, well, look at it again. On July 2nd, there's a T-square uh, with Mars in that in that square we were talking about. So there should be some fun around around uh, just before July. Oh, yeah, that would be July. a good time to yeah. reconvene. Yeah, it's going to be see what's a, happening. a hot topic. It's going to be a hot summer, but it won't be as, <laughs> as cr quite as crazy. I mean, we, we've seen the birth of uh, the intensity, and now it's going to continue to simmer for a while in, in, in our zeitgeist, you yeah. know. And, and actually, we, we were thinking it'd be nice to close with just some remedies. Yeah. Unless you guys, do you have any other questions first? or No, no. I think that sounds great. Yeah, yeah. That's, okay. that sounds awesome. Yeah, because it's like, okay, great. To understand is one thing. And how do we meet the energies, right? So um, I love this quote by a famous astrologer that says, do your transits or they'll do you. So knowing your own chart, knowing your map, knowing where to plug in, is essential to, and not that you have to, you know, have an astrology reading necessarily, but, you know, we do have a way of mapping things out and of tracking cycles. And so listening in, tuning in. And then if you want to talk about what Michael was sharing, I love that part. Yeah, this, this actually came to me from two different sources this week. Um, and it's something we as astrologers often overlook is the focus of the sun sign, the power that our sun signs have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were often off busy with all what all the other planets are doing within us and, you know, the moon and the rising and what our life is about. And we forget that the base comes from the sun, our solar energy. And it really hit me uh, hard this week that how important that is, has been for me in my process. I'm a cancer and I've, you know, been often displaced from home. And now I feel like I have that cancer root that I need. And it's like, that's my son. I love my Sagittarius ascendant. I love learning. I love talking about all these higher consciousness things, but I flow when I have my son activated. And we all need to think of those terms as a remedy for what's what we're going through. Whatever, whatever the sun was in, uh, wherever the sun was when you were born, I think that and also um, by the house, if you know that information, put those two together and um, bring those back into a focus right now. 
out to gather the the energies of light as we have to meet the some of the dark forces yeah your your sun is your gift to life so if we think about the light or the radiance of the sun that gives us life wherever the sun was when you were born is your gift to life and it's really you know simple in a lot of ways but it's really profound and then the house tells us where do we shine our light and so just those two simple things can actually be really really profound um, to bring you back to, you know, what it is, how you can offer, how you can harness this higher consciousness by just being essentially yourself, really, and just finding alignment with that. And then just a, a few other things is um, we need to be flexible. We need to be adaptable. You know, Uranus is, is wanting change and, and we're going to have to realize, you know, I've had so many people have to move and just random like quick things and just remembering that the higher source always has us, has our back. And maybe there's something waiting on the horizon that we can't see yet. So trusting the process is imperative. I've already mentioned this several times, but do your homework, you know, do, do your due diligence around uh, whatever, it, whatever it is that's uh, on the table at the time, you know, or like me, just disconnect from most of that level of reality. But if you are feeling upset about uh, what's going on and feeling torn in two directions, then my recommendation is always to look at both sides. And then take time out to relax and to meditate and to go within, because essentially when we can do that, then all of our answers can come more gracefully. And, you know, the road reveals itself one step at a time. Yeah. So. Trust the process. That's really, really great advice. I'm glad you guys ended like that on a positive, constructive note, because, yeah, it can be really overwhelming to people, you know, and um, just to remember those kinds of tools that we all have available. So thank you. And I, I've been really um, happy to hear, you know, from some of my clients and just other people that have reached out that are listeners, that a lot of them have had readings with you and how helpful that's yeah. been. So, yeah, I appreciate it, too. So just want to remind everybody, you know, to reach out to Shannon. She's got all of these wonderful tools and gifts and information to help you navigate what's going on in the cosmos and in your life right now. Thank you, Tiana. I appreciate that. Definitely. You know, that was really nice. Thank you guys. And I just want to tell you that, you know, you're doing really great work. You know, everything you're doing is so helpful to people. And, you know, I don't know if you hear it very often, but, you know, I think you guys are doing really amazing work. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's, it's good to hear it's nice that. nice to hear that. Yeah, I appreciate it. You guys I mean, too. Yeah. yeah. Your podcast is rocking because whenever you I have clients that come from your show, they're like all over the world. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Uh, cool. Congratulations. We're still hoping to start our own pod podcast before too much longer. Yeah, I was yeah. going to ask you, you know, if you guys, you should, you really should. The both, the both of you together, I really enjoy like having both of you, you know, versus just one or the other because you play off each other really well. So. Well, yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Well, hopefully enough will clear this year that we can get on back on that. Uh, we had we we took advantage of our space out here last year and made a lot of strides, and um, it's been fun. And and now I feel like part of uh, our journey is doing exactly what you said, uh, continuing to hone Shannon and I's message and put it out there. So cool. So why don't you guys tell us uh, how people can get in touch with you? Uh, great. Thank you. Yeah. So my, e uh, well, we'll say my website is www.shannonleegill, G-I-L-L. So that's my name, shannonleegill.com. And that's 
probably the best way. Now, if you're if you're local in in the Austin, Texas area, we run a retreat center, Lotus Bend Sanctuary, where we um, you know normally offer events and things like that. We've been a little quiet in the last year, but we are uh, hoping to ramp up. And when it gets a little warmer, doing some outdoor events. But this is also where my office is, so you can see me in person or uh, obviously over Zoom. I, I see clients, and the website for Lotus Bend is www.lotusbend. Net. And you can reach me at, uh, I'll just say it and we can put it on the screen, vonolhausen.org. And um, that's where I'll be putting a lot more of my work. Um, and if someone is just curious and wants to reach out, um, rlolhausen at gmail.com. All right, cool. Yeah, I guess I'll go ahead and give you my email. It's shiftshannon at gmail.com. Sounds good. And we'll be sure to put all that in the description too for the podcast. So. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. It's so fun to connect again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Illusion. I'd like to say thank you very much to Shannon Gill and Russ Olhausen for taking the time to talk with us and to share their gifts and knowledge with us. If you'd like to know how to get in touch with Shannon for a reading, you can find her online at shannonleegill.com. That's spelled S-H-A-N-N-O-N-L-E-I-G-I-L-L.com. Or if you're interested in their retreat center, Lotus Bend Sanctuary, you can visit lotusbend.net. And before we go, I'd like to say thank you to Casey Henson for creating the music we use on this podcast and to Tiana Roser for keeping this podcast interesting and going strong. For more information about us or to access past episodes, please visit our website, beyondtheillusionpodcast.com. And you can find us on social media as well. And lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a rating for us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. This will help other people find us. Happy New Year and take care.